Good evening. Today is Tuesday, August 16th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapters are chapters 8, 9, and 10, and our speaker tonight is Sherry A. Thank you, Sherry. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, everybody, for your service. Thanks for being here so this meeting can exist. Um, I am one of those folks who needed uh, a conception of God that was way bigger than I could have imagined. So I really appreciate that this meeting emphasizes that we all get to have a journey with a power that's greater than ourselves, and it's ours. So I just I just love being here. So thank you for the opportunity to share. Um, and I just uh, want to just start with a quick prayer. God, use me, use the book. Amen. Um, so my story, real quick. Um, uh, you may be familiar with some details of it. Um, I was a pain in the ass to live with. <laughs> Um, while compulsively overeating, um, I was riddled with self-doubt, self-loathing, um, I had some good times too, but in between, I was mostly just trying to get people around me to help me feel better about myself. Um, and that included my best friends, my family of origin, my chosen family, my partner. Um, so these chapters. This chapter, I'm going to focus tonight on nine, um, the family afterward, because it's where I've seen the most miracles happen for me. Um, so my journey with compulsive overeating, um, from the time I was like a little tot, um, food was with me, um, food, you know, was with me all the way up until, you know, I was in my um, late 30s at over 300 pounds, um, lots of medical issues. Um, tons of hiding, um, tons of separating myself and anesthetizing myself. So that's kind of the story in brief. Um, and um, I have 21 months of God-given abstinence. Um, and I just can't even believe that. Uh, <laughs> most mornings I wake up and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> This is incredible. Um, and so I just think it's really amazing to be able to um, get into this chapter and just see what has happened. So um, when I was able to connect with a recovered sponsor who was able to point me to the light and point me towards um, working the steps to have this spiritual experience I needed to connect to a power greater than myself. Um, and she kept saying that. She's like, uh-uh, not me, not the fellowship, your higher power. How, it doesn't matter, Sherry, just find a higher power. And I'm so glad that she kept just like getting, getting to that. You know, if it's not working, perhaps your higher power isn't big enough yet. Let's make it bigger. <laughs> she just kept helping me expand until I got a power that was one I could trust, who I felt sure loved me, who I could honestly say, take it all. This is a mess. I trust that you love me. 
even though I only trust that because my sponsor is telling me that that's what happened to her. I trust that you love me, right? So um, when I get into this, um, I think that um, what has happened as I experience the love of a power greater than me is that power is now growing me up day by day. And um, that power is showing me what um, love, understanding, and tolerance looks like for other people. Um, but I don't know about you, but I, hard, I found it very hard to love other people when I thought I was unlovable. Um, and so I just kind of want to preface getting into this chapter um, with my experience of that. Um, so without further ado, um, I almost feel like I just want to read the chapter because it's so damn good. Um, but the parts that really jumped out to me um, reading this again today is when we start, it's amazing. Um, it basically tells me everybody wants their way. Everybody like in my family wants to get what they need and they want to have their needs respected. And they want to have their person respected exactly as they are. And I was not able to do that. And so it might take my family a while of me being in recovery to begin to trust me because I did not accept them for who they were. I didn't, ex I didn't accept that they had the right to make their own choices, have their own views. Um, and so the, the beginning of the chapter is really, it's really good for me to hear because it says we meet on a common ground of tolerance, understanding, and love. And um, I had no common ground. I, I, I was either like in my head sort of trying to figure out like what advantage I had in the situation so that I wouldn't feel afraid or I was thinking I was just really low. So this chapter talks about me being on common ground. And that's a, you know, that's a theme throughout all of the book when we read it. It's like we just get to be a human with other humans. Um, and so that common ground, um, so um, me putting the food down was only the first step. Um, and I have to keep my focus on who my higher power is helping me to be rather than what I am doing in the world. And right now at 21 months sober, that's still the case. The external details of my life, they still have to come secondary for me to who is my higher power showing me that I am uh, to be. And so I really appreciate that in all of my family situations, because in all of our lives, people want us to be different things. But for me, in order to stay sober, I have to stay connected to who I believe my higher power is showing me to be. Um, and um, the next thing that really resonated is on 124, the painful past may be of infinite value to other families still struggling with their problems. We think each family which has been relieved owes something to those who have not. And members should be only too willing to bring former mistakes, no matter how grievous, out of their hiding places. And so that's kind of what I wanted to share next is what are some of my grievous mistakes with my family, um, particularly with the people I live with? 
I, I um, am in a committed partnership. I have, I'm a bonus mom. And uh, the grievous mistake that I want to share with you tonight is that I didn't know how to love my partner um, or my son um, for many years while I was in this family. Um, and, and I had a lot of expectations and they were really harmful to them and they were really harmful to me. Um, I didn't get to know my husband and my son, um, really begin to see them, um, until I got sober. Um, because before I was just really attached to what they were doing and how it was making me feel. And so I just want to share, that's my, my biggest grievous error is literally trying to be God and tell my family who they should be. Um, and that was really harmful for me and it was harmful for them. Um, and so um, as I have been um, working the steps day by day, I also want to just acknowledge that um, this journey has also taken me into um, another fellowship. And so um, a fellowship that really has helped me learn what's my part and how I need to let others live with dignity. So I just wanna mention that because that's a big part of what my experience of this chapter as well. Um, so, um, so I don't know about anybody else, but when I do have an answer, um, I get really proud of myself. And so the other thing that the family afterwards speaks to me of is as a recovered person, who has the grace not to be in my addiction today, I went the direction that the chapter described where I was like, I am better. So let me tell you how you should live now. You should live on spiritual principles. <laughs> and this is what it looks like. And this is what you should do. And so when I got recovered, I was that reformer and that enthusiast that it talks about. Um, and man, Oh, it was just really hard. Um, it was really hard for me because that's 10 being, minutes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, being hard, uh, being right and having the answers was kind of how I, um, it's how I survived the ravages of this disease. I had to do things to survive this disease. And one of the things that I did is I, developed a sense of superiority about certain things. Um, and what I learned as a result of working these steps is that that is way more harmful to me than I ever could have imagined. Um, and so as it lays out here, um, how, how the family is to learn to function together again. Um, one of the things that I had to learn is that my higher power was gonna show me all the things I did to survive while I was in my addiction and killing myself with food. My higher power has just been like one by one being like, nope, you don't need that anymore. Nope, you don't need a sense of moral superiority. That's not, that's not who I made you to be. That's not who you really are. It's not how you experience joy. 
And so a lot of the things with my family have been my higher power removing over time, those things that I thought I needed to be okay. And that moral superiority. And if I had an answer, I couldn't just have the answer for me. It had to be true for everyone. <laughs> um, so that in this chapter really resonated with me. Um, and uh, going on to look at um, page 127, um, another thing that happened to me in recovery um, was that my family was the hardest place to practice the principles. I got, I put the food down. I was working with the sponsor. It was November of 2020. I was going to a lot of meetings online. Um, and the way that it talks in the very first page about perhaps they've created the impression that the addict is to be wrapped, wrapped in cotton wool and placed on a pedestal. Successful readjustment means the opposite. And so for me, initially, I was like, oh, I have to control my environment. I have to control my schedule. You know, I need to like do my meditation in this way, in this place. And then I need to get on this meeting. And I got really, um, I got really legalistic because I was still trying to direct my own recovery. I still was thinking that I had some power. Um, and so part of what my higher power has, another thing my higher power has removed is this idea that somehow um, my recovery is contingent on me not being in life or, or being protected. And so when it talks on 127 about, you know, um, since the home has suffered more than any else, it's well that the addict exerts themselves there. They're likely, uh, they're not likely to get too far in any direction if they fail to show unselfishness and love under their own roof. <laughs> um, and one of my favorite speakers and recovered folks, Herb Kay, um, he, I, I love it because he says it over and over. He's like, my sponsor always, uh, when I asked my sponsor, you know, how I would know where I was in my spiritual awakening, he was like, ask the people you live with. Ask the people who served your food at your coffee at the diner. Ask them how you treated them. Ask them if they felt seen and heard and respected. That's how I know where, where my spiritual life is at. Um, so I, I did at first. I was like, I, I was very sort of, um, um, yeah, I was very legalistic with my recovery. And, I, um, and finally, a very loving fellow said to me, like, um, just eat breakfast. Eat breakfast with your family, for God's sake. <laughs> like, they're there. Be with them. Start there, right? Start there. Like, there's times during the day that you can connect with the fellowship, but start connecting with your family. Um, and I'm so glad that somebody was able to kind of like redirect me and just give me that instruction. Um, I want to move on um, to, um, yeah, and there's a lot of other great stuff on 20, uh, on 128 about that our focus, my focus becomes giving rather than getting in my family. Um, awesome. Thank you. And also um, that I might demand that my family find God in a hurry. <laughs> 
Um, and I, you know, it's so crazy because the more I give my family the love and acceptance for where they are at today, the more I see them, I'm like, oh, they were already on a journey. I just couldn't see it. Like they have their own higher powers. Um, and so this kind of instructs me um, to just be grateful for my spiritual development and allow my family to have their own journey. Um, and the other thing that the other phrase that really rung out to me is um, that if my family comes together on this basis of respect and understanding, um, that the, the vagaries of my spiritual infancy will fade over time. And I am a spiritual infant. Um, and so my family's given me a lot of grace to take the time I need to work this program. Um, maybe it's because I'm not quite as insane. <laughs> you know, like, hey, this is actually better. Um, so, you know, I wake up earlier than everybody. Um, and, and they know that um, they've given me the grace to have the time um, to be able to uh, spend time with my higher power and spend time talking with other fellows, working with sponsees. And they give me that grace. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, and, and my part is then when I am not, um, when I am not doing those things that I get to be present for them and just listen and, and like see them. Um, and I think I, I want to share two things. Um, number one, um, I got to tell my son this summer, he's 20. And when I got married, it was like, it was just like icy. And I was just like, Ugh, I don't know how to do this. I, this makes me so uncomfortable. Um, and I have had to, uh, I have um, had those uncomfortable conversations with him. Um, I've made amends um, for being um, demanding, not, not trying to understand what he needed. And um, this summer we were out in the garden and he came out and, um, and I don't know what prompted him to have this, but he said, you know, I just wanted to tell you, I'm really sorry. Um, Cause I was, I was a real jerk to you. And I was like, I was just like, um, I was like, I was a jerk. Um, I was a jerk too. And um and, and I meant it when I said we were doing the best we could and you were a kid and I'm really proud of the young man that you are and I love you. And that's the first time that I got to tell him I loved him. Um, and here's this 20 year old young man and, um, and I get to have a relationship with him and I get to watch him grow. And I get to show up and just uh, and cheer him on and see what um, a higher power is doing in his life. Um, and that relationship um, is only a result of me getting sober 
and coming to spend time every morning with a power greater than me, um, who is teaching me a little bit more every day about love. Um, and Denise was on here when I first jumped on and I was sharing with her, man, ooh, last week was a hard week. And I feel like uh, these principles of understanding and love and tolerance, it's not just my family. Um, and the struggle's real. Last week, uh, someone at work um, really triggered me. And um, all of the feelings of self-loathing and not being enough and the anger and the resentment, it was all there. Um, but I'm just really grateful that I have a guidebook and I have a power greater than me that loves me enough to, to correct me lovingly, gently, and give me a different perspective on myself and on other people. And that perspective is that we are all already loved. We are all already loved. That's beautiful. Period. So thanks for allowing me to share and thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, Sherry. What a beautiful moment to end on. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host will call the raise hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announcement time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Well, while we are waiting for folks to get their hands up, I will go ahead and take a quick share. And by quick, if you know me, that means it's gonna take three minutes and five seconds. So, <laughs> but um, I'm Victoria, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and insulin manipulator. It is so wonderful to be here. And yeah, I'm relating a lot to this. Um, so many different directions, right? All the people who are part of the web of our lives that I've created myself to be the center of, right? Um, all those people that I have these connections with. A lot of times the people that I'm closest with are the ones that I give my worst behavior to because I know that they're going to stick around, you know, or I know I can say sorry tomorrow or, you know, we have, like, we have enough good times built up in the bank. <laughs> and so, um, that's beautiful that we're allowed second chances and sometimes fourth chances and fifth chances, but I don't love that some, that sometimes I give my worst behavior to the people that I love and care the most about. Um, it's really funny because my partner is an atheist. I was, I was pretty much an atheist before this program, but I wouldn't, I didn't want to use that word. Cause it just felt like, what if I'm wrong? Maybe I shouldn't go that far. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because now when I see him like having, you know, stress or something like that, I'm always like, well, let's pray to this nature, nature of the universe. And like, let's do like, well, let's just throw some good. And he definitely entertains it. He's like, all right, that's some good hippie shit. Like I'll trap, but, but he, but like, I'm trying to force my way of life onto him, you know? And I think part of it comes from like, look, I've received this miracle and I want everybody else that I love to like feel that peace that is so wonderful, but I'm also doing it with a self-centered and dishonest motive of, of like, your chaos becomes my chaos. So let's fix yours with my solution. <laughs> Just like, I mean, 
I think we're all here for different reasons, but I'll just say that for me, my solution was not the answer to anything. Um, and it's just really cool. Like my dad and I, you know, we used to, we used to get in these fights all the time because my parents are very religious of a certain religion and certain way of doing things and just wasn't vibing. So we just, you know, we just, just kind of didn't talk about it. My dad would send me all these emails, like, listen to this gospel singer, you know, that I like, and I would, or here's my, here's my, uh, like morning revelation that I wanted to share with you. And I would just be like, delete, like, I don't, you know, and he'd say, did you get that? And I'd be like, Dad, I'm really busy today. And now we can have these conversations about like, hey, you know what I love about spirituality, dad? I love that there's something that can handle things when I can't, you know, and that's something he can relate to. And so like, we're able to have this really shared connection over spirituality where it used to breed a lot of conflict. Um, but I also have to remember, and I'm probably running out of time, so I'll wrap up with this, but, um, I think it is so easy for me to have program and service sometimes become my drug <laughs> a little bit or like doing things. And I want to make no mistake here it is very important that we are of service to others. And specifically, I believe I have to work with other compulsive overeaters to maintain my sobriety, which is of utmost importance so that I can be of service to everyone in my life. But I do also think it's important for me to remember that service is not just to people who are our fellows um, in this program. It's also the people that are in our everyday life. And so one time I was on an outreach call and somebody was talking. We had been on the phone for 20 minutes. My boyfriend came home after his night shift and I said, I got to go. I'm so I'm so bad at getting off the phone. I was like, I got to go. We're going to have breakfast together. And like, that's the stuff that I have to make sure that I am putting also putting first because Nobody is like, I love that, that chapter talks about nobody's excited to have dad back if dad's never around again, <laughs> like, cause dad's being spiritually lit on fire. Um, so I will pass and I believe it's Amy next, but I know the host sometimes jumps people. So just want to confirm, is that? Let's sure. Just, yeah. Okay. Let's go with that. And then I'll do Angela and then you Thank you, Victoria. And thank you for your service tonight. Uh, thanks everybody for reading, everybody for being here, just showing up and being part of our collective tonight. We need each other. Thank you, Sherry, so much for your service. I'm Amy Beek, compulsive overeater, living very gratefully in a recovered state for today. Um, family afterwards, right? I was just about to say, hi, family, as I'm looking at the screen. And I hadn't thought to say that, but what I was really thinking about when sharing on this is like, yes, I have had very, I mean, beautiful growth in my relationships with my family, with my partner, my children, my parents, my sibling, you know, chosen family has been a big part of my life as well. And there's been so much growth in terms of who I choose to be my family now. And that has shifted in both directions in program. I have chosen people and I have lovingly detached from others who unrecovered Amy chose. And I know that um, I'll speak for myself. There are a lot of 
nuances in relationships with family when getting recovered and and checking that to not go too far in the other direction. Um, these steps work on a lot of, I don't have control over, including the people who are closest to me or who I choose to be closest to me and whether I do or I don't. Um, so yeah, just, just thinking about that when it comes to family and the family after and spirituality with our family. And then I just want to read another page from the book because it's such a beautiful paragraph on page 130. Those of us who have spent much time in the world of spiritual make-believe have eventually seen the childishness of it. This dream world has been replaced by a great sense of purpose, accompanied by a growing consciousness in the power of God in our lives. We have come to believe God would like us to keep our head in the clouds, but our feet ought to be firmly planted on earth. This is where our fellow travelers are. And this is where our work must be done. These are the realities for us. We have found nothing incompatible between a powerful spiritual experience and a life of sane and happy usefulness. How great is that? That is perfect time. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. All right, Angela, would you please unmute and share with us? Hey everyone, I am Angela, gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater and bulimic. Um, thank you everybody who is doing service tonight and thank you, Sherry. It was a beautiful share. Um, this is definitely one of my favorite chapters, The Family Afterward. Um, you know, in my experience, this recovery process has been about healing relationships, all relationships you know, relationship with myself, relationship with a higher power, which was pretty, um, it, it, it was non-existent, I would have to say. Um, relationships with my loved ones, my family, uh, relationships, uh, like I heard someone else say, uh, that, that we're not supposed to go any further, right? Relationships with people that were dysfunctional or unhealthy. Um, you know, they healed, uh, and, and sometimes I had to detach, um, you know, with love and, uh, and, and understand that those were not meant for me, those relationships anymore, you know, for today. Right. So, um, you know, I'm watching relationships change all around me and I don't know, it seems like the program is kind of infiltrated every area of my life, you know, my business, my personal relationships, my family, um, of origin. And, uh, you know, I continue to grapple and, uh, with this, um, relationship with my mom and um, it, I, I just keep seeing it as an opportunity, you know, um, I, I jump in, I jump out, you know, I go in, you know, and I have to, I have to know now, you know, how much is enough and how much is too much. And, uh, you know, what's different about it now is instead of me showing up with a suit of armor on, which is what I used to need is I'm showing up with open hands and an open heart 
and I'm trying to be of service, whether that's with my siblings dealing with all of this or my mother when I can step in. And this is so different from how I have been in relationship before that this program in particular, where I found my recovery, uh, not in the other program that I spent 12 years, but in this program, I found recovery and it is healing relationships all over the place. And I will um, forever be grateful for that. So thank you. All right, thanks, Angela. And Yanira, would you please share with us? Um, hi, everyone. Yanira, compulsive overeater. I'm still stuck at work, um, so I have to make it really brief. But I just wanted to um, get on here. Um, Sherry, thank you so much. There were so many things that I took away from your share. You know, I didn't realize how unhuman I felt. Um, and, you know, you said being able to be human with other humans really resonated with me. It makes nothing but sense, right? It's just, I've been feeling super disconnected for a while. And um, yesterday just started to feel like I was, you know, getting a little bit more and more tethered. So, um, I'm just going to keep coming back and um, continue on because it's really easy to just kind of like, oh, okay, well, life is just happening and I'm just going to, it'll be fine. But, you know, it's not really working out the way that, you know, I, th I thought it would. So it's like, okay, well, I absolutely needed to hear everything that you said today. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I also didn't know that I didn't know how to love people. I just didn't know, like, how do you, how, it doesn't make sense to me, but I, that's one of the gifts that I've received from this program is just knowing the awareness. Um, you know, I'm so happy that everything is busted open and I can just, um, keep it keep it moving and with that said I have to go but I'm so happy that you know you're all here and we're all here for the same reasons and I just you know I love recovered me I love my recovery and I love my recovery family and thank you guys for letting me share thank you so much Janira